Hello and welcome to a new occasional podcast series from PR Week UK called Beyond the Noise Extra. I'm John Harrington, the editor of PR Week UK. As the title suggests, Beyond the Noise Extra is an offshoot of Beyond the Noise, our regular fortnightly podcast. In this series, we'll be looking at a specific project that PR Week has been working on and discuss it in a bit more depth. Joining me today are PR Week UK news editor Siobhan Holt. Welcome, Siobhan. Hi. And we also have reporter Eliza Radu. Welcome, Eliza. Hello. Now, throughout December, PR Week has been counting down its list of UK communicators of the year. We're excluding communications professionals, journalists and broadcasters and focusing on people from other walks of life who have shone for their communications this year. The list has been chosen by the editorial team, so we've all been involved. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So first question I wanted to ask really to you two. I mean, how would you describe the process this year? And what have you seen as some of the biggest kind of challenges really when choosing who makes the list? I think it's a bit like trying to remember who to send your Christmas cards to at the end of the year where you're a bit like, what happened in January? Like you yeah. sort of have to go back and luckily you've done a six month roundup, which really helped because we were all a bit like, what, who, who spoke in Jan? Who spoke in Feb? So it is quite a lengthy thing when we all have to discuss and, and we do have a lot of meetings actually, really in-depth meetings where we really heavily debate who we think should stay and we make a very comprehensive list. Yeah. Um, and then it's whittling it down really between us all and putting forward our cases and then the challenge of putting them in order. Yeah, I think it really shows to me how quickly the news agenda moves on. Absolutely. Because, you know, something that was the biggest story in March or May, you've kind of almost forgotten about. I'm thinking of the coronation, because one of the person from the list was from the anti-monarchy group. And it's kind of the coronation just feels like another year, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Same with the strikes. There were so many strikes the year before that then carried over quite heavily, maybe up till about March. Yeah. And were featured prominently in our six-month roundup that when we look back now seems you know as you say it was a bigger agenda earlier on in the year and not as much now but obviously that might change as we go into 2024 but that was the case yeah absolutely what do you think Eliza how did you find the process um I did this last year so I already knew what to expect but narrowing the list down was extremely difficult especially since we all had valid points for Mm. each of the people we suggested putting the names in order reordering those names refining those orders Re-refining those orders. <laughs> yeah. I went on annual leave, came back. The list had changed. I was like, what is going on? But yeah. it's really interesting to see how the news agenda changes, as John was saying, because there are so many people I forgot. Yeah. Or so many people that I felt, oh, they were a great communicator last year. And actually, no, it was like May of 2023. Yeah. And I had completely <laughs> forgotten. Feels like a long year, doesn't it? It does. It's true. And it's also one of the problems I found is kind of comparing Mm. because there's no like for like, really. It's quite hard to compare a sports person to a politician, to a business person, to a social media influencer. Yeah. So you kind of just take a general view about how much impact people have had. Then you need to take into account things like, is this someone's breakout year? Because you kind of want it to almost be the story of the year in news, if that doesn't sound too pretentious. You know mm. what I mean? You want it to look like these people sort of tick off a lot of the big topics that were big and important this year. Mm-hmm. So we sort of want to do that a bit. I sort of feel people should read it as a bit like a reminder of a lot of the big issues that were out there throughout the year. But it's a, it's a sort of big ask, isn't it? it sort is. of encapsulate yeah. all of that into 20 names yes. of <laughs> seemingly completely random people. Yeah but actually ones who we think have done well for their comms. So let's start talking about some names. (laughs) 
So, Siobhan, you were an advocate for Alex Mahon and Baroness Tani Gray Thompson. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they deserve to be on the list? So, Alex was at number six in the list. As we know, Alex is Channel 4 chief exec. She has been since 2017. But I think why I thought she was a great communicator was that she really champions the state-owned broadcaster. She's put her her neck slightly out on the line sometimes, I think, which has been quite brave with it. She's faced quite a bit of criticism. Um, Obviously, we had earlier on in the year that the government wanted to privatise Channel 4, which it abandoned in January, but she was a great champion of that and the wider creative industry. So that's why I think she deserved it. And I know we definitely had some debate over where we put her in the list Yeah, because she's not only done it for Channel 4, outside and the perception of Channel 4, but she's done it within. She's within the business. She's created staff policies on pregnancy loss and menopause. So I think overall, that's why I was a big supporter of her being quite high on the list. And I think number six is pretty accurate, actually, where she should be in that. What I liked about it was it's not been an easy ride for her. Channel 4 had allegations of toxic culture. They faced uh, the fallout from the Russell Brand in plain sight documentary. There's been controversial comments that she's come out with. But I felt as a communicator, though, she still handled some of these challenges really well. She still put Channel 4 at the heart of her comms and the wider industry overall when it comes to broadcasting. And I think that sort of made her an advocate, really, which... I think women sometimes in those senior roles can really face quite a lot of criticism, unfairly. But I feel she handled it with a lot of grace and a lot of dignity, and I think that's why she deserves to be where she is. No, she seems a very kind of progressive progressive leader. And we actually struggled, didn't we, to have many business leaders. A lot of business leaders have been a bit reticent to speak up yes. um, this year. And that's something we can maybe talk about a bit later. But yeah, no, that was great. And then, as you mentioned, Baroness Tanny Gray-Thompson, as someone who uses the trains a lot, I really, like, really liked her speaking out. So for those that might not know, from earlier on in the year, there was going to be an initiative where train companies, as part of a cost-cutting plan, were going to potentially close station ticket offices in England. And with that, it would have caused problems for rail commuters across the UK generally, but also those that are disabled passengers. And as we know, Tammy Gray, uh, as well as being member of the House of Lords, she's a very famous Paralympian. And so she spoke about how difficult that would have been when it comes to assistance from station staff for those with disability and the challenges surrounding that, for example, using ticket machines. And she spoke very honestly and also highlighted with it that very often when these policies are brought in people with disabilities are really left at the bottom of the pile when it comes to actually listening to them and their voice and so I really champion the fact that she raised objections and as a result the watchdogs uh, said their public consultations have received thousands of responses 99% of them were objections and then as a result the government asked the train operator companies to withdraw the proposal so if that's not a good communicator, I don't know what is. Yeah. From what she said, she achieved the success of stopping that. Totally, totally. So, Eliza, moving on to you, you were keen on Serena Riegman and Sabrina Bassoon. Could you tell us why they impressed you for their comms this year? I thought Serena was impressive because before this year, I didn't really pay attention to women's football or football in general. However, through her interviews and seeing her presence online, I think she's an amazing spokesperson. She believes that there will be a female football manager leading the men's professional team soon. And I really hope this prediction comes true. 
when it comes to the realm of football, it's very stereotypically male. Mm -hmm. It's very much a lad sport. And I've never really been able to get into it because of that kind of communication. However, from what she was saying and from what I was understanding, football is for everyone who's Mm -hmm. passionate about it. And she's such an inspiring figure for women in the football sector, but in general as well. I think she has an impressive coaching record, having guided her teams to the finals of four consecutive tournaments. Mm-hmm. When it comes to football, for me at least, it's not something that women are normally involved with. And maybe that sounds a little bit sexist, I'm sorry. But even in school, it would be the boys play football, the girls play netball, and there'd be no crossover. So I've never even thought about football being something that I could enjoy. But this year, I've really enjoyed watching the England women's team. I've loved seeing all the support from everyone. Mm -hmm. And I feel like everyone's just rallied around Serena. And that's what makes her a good communicator, in my opinion. I agree. I know I championed for her actually to be closer down the list, actually. I felt 10 for me personally. I think how she's raised the profile of women's football has been phenomenal. I think I think there are other members in the squad as well that have also done that. Um, but I do think, like you say, she's been interviewed a lot and given just very sensible comments, really, about how there should be more women in charge of uh, squads and how she hopes that that is going to be the future and that she's not going to be maybe one of her own. So, yeah, I agree. I think she deserves to be in the list. The high point for me of her was when she received the accolade coach of the year wasn't it and then she dedicated it to the spanish team yes, yes. yeah spanish team obviously beat england in the final of the euros yeah. uh, boo still not over it um, <laughs> and obviously this was while all the controversy was happening about the guy from the spanish fa who kissed the spanish female player on the lips as the sort of ceremony at the end of the match was being held So it really felt like that was a very powerful moment. She really came across as being an advocate for women's football and football generally, Mm. beyond being the England manager, head coach. So, yeah, I thought that was really impressive. Yeah, and it was very clear and concise and, yeah, complete support. Yeah, great. Tube girl. Tube girl. (laughs) So if you've been online this year on TikTok, you've definitely seen Tube Girl. She's gained viral acclaim for her dance videos on the London Underground When I first saw one of her videos, I was really confused. Um, It just came up on my For You page on TikTok and I just saw this girl dancing and I was like, okay, she seems really cute. Um, I really liked her unique approach to like self-expression and I think that's what really made her a great communicator on TikTok. She doesn't do many talking videos from what I know and what I've seen, but the videos she does, they're always very creative and they've always got a little bit of a charm to them, especially in the London underground when everything's very like dark and gloomy. (laughs) Seeing a girl just dancing and having the time of her life is really nice. Um, I think her success on TikTok has also inspired other TikTokers to express themselves in public as well. I feel like in the UK, everyone's very much to themselves, Mm. unless they're with their friends or with their families or comfortable. People aren't very likely to express themselves in public places. And I feel like she's a role model of sorts to young women, telling them that you don't really need to care about what people think about you. If you're just yourself, then people will kind of like be drawn to you. Yeah, I think it's really good each year to sort of look at the kind of breakthrough social media influencers. And she strikes me as the breakthrough UK social media influencer this year. Definitely. She's been sponsored by multiple brands. I know she did an event with Mac recently. And I thought it was really nice to see how just a normal girl from London has kind of 
become a big brand ambassador. <laughs> become a big brand ambassador. <laughs> yeah, no, she's got a great career ahead of her. Usually my attitude is one of being grumpy when I'm on the tube. I'm not sure how I would cope <laughs> if someone was just like happy in front of me, just dancing around. I might be a bit like, you know I... what? My, my head is in someone's armpit right now. Yeah. But then I also appreciate, you know, not everyone feels the same way I do. But she's obviously, you know, doing doing really well at communicating to the right people. I was slightly with you. I remember when you showed me, because I wasn't aware of who she was. But when you showed me, I think I asked you, I was like, do people behind not mind being filmed? And I think you had to explain to her that she's actually very clever at the angles and making sure that she doesn't break those sort of... Yeah, it's very rare to see other people's faces properly in her video. She's very quick with her movements and she's always standing near the windows of the train. So if you're positioned in that corner, you can kind of get a little bit of space around you. I've seen so much criticism around her, however, with people going, oh, it's my morning commute. I don't want to see people dancing. That sounds like me. What was <laughs> John, have you been posting online again? No. <laughs> but... What I think works really well for her is that she just doesn't seem to care about any of the hate. With other people, I've seen them take their videos down and... Feel the pressure, maybe. Feel the pressure. But with her, it just seems that she knows what she wants and she's going for it. And I find that quite impressive. I personally wouldn't pull out my phone in the middle of the London underground. Mm. But I do respect those with the confidence to do so. Yeah, and maybe some brands could take a leaf out of a book and be a bit stronger with their comms yes. in that respect and not buckle under the pressure of a few opinions. Maybe yeah. maybe that's something they could learn from her. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to talk about the person number one now. Okay. Um, Richard Walker. We kind of debated for a while about who's going to be number one. And in a sense, we like to have someone who's had a kind of real breakthrough year. So, you know, last year we had Mick Lynch, the union boss, Previously, we'd had people like Marcus Rashford. It felt like their breakout year in terms of their communications. Whereas Richard Walker, arguably, has been sort of having this kind of status for a few years. But nevertheless, we think he deserves it because of his consistently strong kind of performance, really. I mean, kind of alluding to what, what we were talking about earlier, at a time when so many bosses are kind of ducking out of commenting on big issues in society, Walker, I think, has really stood out by mm. bucking this trend. I mean, you look at his campaign to challenge the law on discounting formula milk, for example, which was really um, bullshit, just putting it out there and saying, we'll take a hit. You think it's ridiculous that there are these sorts of curbs on doing something that will help the public. So he's kind of done it in a way that is, on the one hand, bold and newsworthy. He also does it in such a way to kind of make Iceland look like the good guys, mm. like they're there fighting for the cash-strapped consumer. Other things, you know, the coverage he got for backing out of seeking to become a Tory MP saying he's ripping up his membership you know that did really well and again the coverage of that he managed to weave in what Iceland has been doing in terms of addressing the issues that affects a lot of people like the cost of living you, you look also at the the coverage Iceland got for literally nothing just saying it won't be running Christmas campaign instead spending the money cutting costs for customers I think that was good so yeah it felt like overall Richard Walker I felt was just a really strong contender this year if you take all things into consideration so that's why we put him at number one and it, it was kind of consistent throughout the year as well actually there were quite a few people on our list who performed really strongly for like a period of time or over a certain issue or a certain incident whereas it felt like Walker had these sorts of points pretty much every month he was in the news in an effective way, it felt like. so. Mm. He, re he really had his finger on the pulse throughout the year, really, wasn't it? With, with his news headlines and, and sort of the, 
the comms messaging behind it. He was really listening to what was going on around him yeah. to then react to it or his Kim and his comms team. Um, it definitely felt like that. As you say, it wasn't just one occasion. There was several throughout the year. Yeah. And as well this year, the initiative they have to provide loans to people who are struggling to pay for their food costs, that won three PR lines at mm, Cannes. Yes. Although that campaign launched the previous year in 2022, I think the fact that it's been successful this year is something that is worth you know, focusing on as well. Mm. So I think, you know, as I say, we've seen this big retreat from a lot of business leaders from talking out on social issues. But I think it shows that if you do decide to do that, there can be kind of benefits. So kudos to him. The other person I'm keen to talk about is Deli Ali, the footballer. If you think about people who've really had their image turned around during the course of the year, I think Ali is definitely one of those. You know, I think before he had this really good interview with Gary Lineker, um, he was kind of seen as a wonder kid who's fallen from grace, lost form and so on, uh, maybe even a bit petulant. But in this interview, he spoke really honestly and movingly, I think, about his issues with mental health and addiction, his time in rehab, and really harrowing stories about his childhood. I think we all kind of see him differently now. So it's probably worth saying kudos to his advisors. I mean, there are reports that part of the reason for doing this interview was to get ahead of the story and thwart tabloids that had apparently got wind of, of his situation. So I think that was a good move there as well. But I think when you talk about kind of authentic communications, mm. I think Delhi Ali has been really good. Yeah. So any other thoughts on Walker or Ali? At first, I didn't really understand why Walker was number one. We would talk about it all the time and I'd be like, but why is he number one? You mean over others, maybe? Over yeah. others. Mainly because we had so many people like Rory Stewart in the list and, and the bosses of MNS who have been in the news consistently this year. But actually looking back at it now from like end of 2023, you can see so much of what he's done and he's always been consistent. And I think that's one of the most important things. Consistency in the news. Yeah. As we were talking earlier on, the long list was quite substantial, wasn't it? <laughs> it I think was. it was probably 30, 35 names, maybe more at some point. I think at some point we got a bit silly. But it's probably worth shouting out a few people who didn't make the list. I would shout out Mira Sayal for calling out for more diversity when she won the BAFTAs award this year. She said the TV industry needs to be more diverse and she, and I quote, she said, not just in front of the cameras, but in the writers' rooms, the makeup vans and around the tables where the deals are done. This year, all 49 of the awards went to white recipients and I thought that was quite shocking because it's 2023 I think where we are now in society I feel like it's not enough to not look into diversity and not think about the people around you when coming up with ideas and concepts growing up in particular every time I would like turn on the BAFTAs no one would really look like me or the members of my family no one would have similar cultural backgrounds no one would have similar upbringing so it was so distant to me like it was almost alien but what she was saying during her interview was so important because she has seen this issue firsthand and this is an issue that people have been calling out for years although in 2020 things got slightly better they've kind of returned to pre-pandemic years of diversity and I really hope within the years to come we'll see a more diverse lineup at the BAFTAs. Yeah 
I agree. I think her speech got a lot of headlines as well, didn't it?、Mm. I remember at the time it was kind of everywhere, which I think, in a way, is a measure of a good communicator that they can say the right things in the right way at the right time. And actually, it's probably another good example of kind of a bit like Reedman. It's a kind of an acceptance speech. Is one moment when you know there's focus on you. So she picks a moment and said the right thing in the right way.、Mm, so totally, yeah, yeah I totally agree. agree. She was in my top communicators at the half year point, incidentally, but she may have been twenty first in this list. Yeah. Anyway, that's a good person who only just missed out. Siobhan. Yeah. So there was some that we sort of had to rule out that fell into. We've had a lot of behind the scene documentaries, haven't we, this year? Yeah.、Um, that have all appeared like documentaries, and then you look at the credits, and they're all the comms people that have done it. I'm thinking of the Beckham's documentary.、Yes. Greg's. There was one on Greg's. You watched one on Greg's. You did. I started watching it. <laughs> This, I wanted to know the secret of Greg's. I didn't did hear. You, no, did you not find the secret? There were some things. Some things I didn't know. But maybe I didn't want to know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you wish you'd not. This isn't about、now. me and my views of sausage rolls. Sorry, I'm interrupting. <laughs> you love、them. a vegan sausage roll, it's true. Yeah, I do.、Um, but yeah, I think the one that when I spoke to a few people in the sector and I asked who they felt should be on our list, Colleen Rooney did rock up as one of the names. I think it comes a little bit back to your point about Dali Ali that it was someone maybe that was taking back the perception of her a bit、mm. um, from a communicator standpoint and revealing a little bit more behind the scenes about her marriage. About her family and some of the aspects that were being used, maybe slightly against her, but also definitely to sort of highlight that the Wagatha Christie case that a lot of people found quite entertaining in some respects,、uh, especially on Twitter, maybe wasn't as enjoyable for her and her family, and she wanted to maybe set the record straight on some of the reasonings why. And I found that quite interesting, and I know she was definitely one that we did think could have been a potential in the list, but unfortunately, others that were stronger this year. But yeah, that was one of the maybes. I really did like how she reclaimed the narrative. I feel like it gets really hard when you do something preemptively.、Mm. It can always be taken out of context. People could always say you're trying to hide something else. But the way in which this was done, I thought it was really impactful, and it also sent a message to just be kind to each other. Yeah, there was that. Yeah, definitely. She definitely communicated that quite well. I think in the documentary. Yeah, I agree. What about you, John? Was there any on your list that you thought、yeah. about or that、well, we discussed that you? There was one that we discussed for a while. We discussed Keir Starmer. We did. This is、yeah. a really interesting point. I think there was an argument for Starmer. I mean, the obvious point is his party are consistently ahead of the Tories by a long way. Yeah. They won those by elections this year. So, from a point of view of effective communications. In a way, there's an argument to put him top. Yeah, despite your political views. Despite your political、yeah. views, and whatever you think about even him as an orator, and I don't think he's necessarily the best orator, although he's not bad.、Mm. The fact is, it's working. Whatever he's doing, if you're just looking purely in terms of the opinion polls, we decided not to include him in the list. Partly, we don't really like including politicians because it is hard to separate the comms from the policies. And it's you know we're in a very divisive era, right? We don't really want to get into all of those conversations, so we just veer away from it. And also, I think he's misstepped a few times this year. I mean, I think he misspoke on the interview on LBC where he initially appeared to suggest that Israel has the right to withhold water and power from Gaza. He later clarified that that wasn't what he meant, but that he got a lot of negative headlines and it was unnecessary. I think. I also think. Probably the jury's out about his comment piece in the Telegraph, where he was talking about his, his respect for Margaret Thatcher. Could that be a step too far, or actually was it a good strategy from a kind of wanting to win the next election point of view? I don't know. 
I feel there's a question mark over that. We didn't include any politicians in the end in this final list. So I think that was probably the right thing. Yeah, would admit, I think it is. I think the Margaret Thatcher question from a comms perspective is definitely still following him around. The BBC was still asking him about it this morning on the news. So yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a very difficult one because you slightly expect that your politicians are going to be good orators by default with the job. Mm. Um, So yeah, that is one of the reasons why we leave it out of the list. Yeah, although it's worth discussing anyway. Absolutely. You know, there was a time when we were discussing him as a potential number one. Yeah. Just for that reason that if you judge a successful comms strategy as a politician by opinion polls and election wins. Yes. So. Yeah, the numbers. Yeah, but he wasn't. So sorry, Sir (laughs) Keir. So final question then. What makes a great communicator in 2023? Who wants to kick off on this? I'll go first. Okay, so I think a good communicator needs to be observant. They need to be able to read the room. They need to be able to set the right tone. You have to be able to listen to be able to communicate. I also think you need to have a lot of confidence because not everyone's going to support you. And in the world we live in, some people can be quite hateful and they can take your words out of turn and twist them, even if that's not what you mean. Things can happen. I think you do need to be passionate about what you're talking about and what you're communicating for. Otherwise, people will think it's inauthentic. And once that happens, people tend to switch off, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. I think all those points are completely valid. For me, I would just add that the person needs to be standing up for what they believe in, whether that be their sector, their industry, their brand, and it needs to be with integrity and clarity. Those are the key for me. John, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think that this year is about being bold. Mm. I think a lot of business leaders in particular have been playing it safe. You can kind of understand it, the sort of the polarised nature of the media, of society, filtered through, you know, the lens that is social media can sometimes create a situation where you just don't want to stick your head up above the parapet. And we saw some examples of big companies that have fallen foul of that this year, but that's that's another story. So I think sort of speaking out and being confident and being brave. A lot of the people on this list fall into that category. And it seems like an obvious thing, but actually I think there's so much reticence to do that these days that I think we've got to shine a light and doff our hats to those that manage to do it and do mm. it effectively. And and I think have the skill in it as well. As you yes. say, I think you can fall foul very quickly if you get it just slightly wrong. So I think the fact that the 20 have done it so well, I think, as you say, they should be commended for that. Yeah. I feel like they also all had a specific target audience that they were trying to reach out to, which also made them effective communicators because mm. people already wanted to listen to them. People already thought, okay, this person's had good things to say in the past. Let me listen to them again. And I feel like that's why certain people have just been constantly in the news cycle this year. Mm. Yeah. Great. Okay, well, that's all for this first episode of Beyond the Noise Extra. Our next podcast will be Noise in Brief, which goes live on Wednesday next week, just before Christmas, so an early Christmas present for you all. Keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, stay tuned to PRWeek.com for all the latest news, opinion and analysis on the industry. So until next time, thanks to Siobhan and to Eliza, and thank you to you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>